Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. To crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story by the amazing Nayland Blake that he first shared on the podcast in September of 2013, here's Nayland now with a story we call Absorption. A couple of years ago, I made the decision to attend New York's Black Party, which is one of the prime events in the gay leather calendar. It is essentially a day and a half long dance party that takes place in a huge ballroom in the center of Manhattan. Guys save up their money all year and plan their outfits. I had never really thought much about going before, in part because as much as I like doing kinky things, I often found myself on the periphery of that community, however it was organized. And that's partially because of who I am. I've always been sort of larger from adolescence. I was really hairy and never really identified with the kind of gym bunny look. 
I also had a bit of a hard time with how expensive it was to go. It's a couple hundred bucks to get tickets, and they're not easy to come by. And so the whole event felt a little strange to me. But I had a friend who had won tickets at an event and couldn't go and offered me their ticket. And so I decided to go. It's a party that happens over the course of a weekend. It adheres to sort of the classic disco rules. Things don't really get rolling until the wee hours of the morning. So I sort of made a plan. I knew another friend who was going. We decided we were going to meet up there. And then I had the dilemma about what to wear. You're not supposed to show up in jeans. You're not supposed to show up in any other sort of casual or, or dress wear. You're supposed to be there in leather or in some sort of a uniform. I own the sort of leather clothes that a very aging punk owns, but certainly not the kind of high-end, custom-tailored leather outfit that any self-professed leather man would own. So I decided that since I couldn't go the leather route, I had better go the uniform route, which led me into my second problem, which is that I don't really own any uniforms. And while I do fetishize certain uniforms. They're not the uniforms that people normally expect. I can't carry off a cop uniform, for example, but I can carry off a rent-a-cop uniform. And there's a funny way that those are actually hotter to me. Security guys are hotter to me than policemen. I have some fireman gear, but not a whole lot. But I do have a complete DSNY New York Department of Sanitation outfit. And that is the one uniform that I do fetishize. I mean, I'm a pretty schlubby guy. And I have a couple of the garbage men who work on my block are very hot, as far as I'm concerned. And over the years, I acquired the patches and basically all of the gear that I needed to assemble garbage man outfit, which actually is harder than it sounds. In the wake of 9-11, the security around purchasing official versions of any of them became much more stringent. It actually is hard to go anywhere and just straight out buy a garbage man's outfit. It took, a, it took some digging around, but I do have a complete uniform, and I decided that's what I was going to wear. Now, there's a way that the Black Party kind of looms large in people's imagination, and I was thinking about, okay, what is this event going to be? What is it going to be like? I started thinking, do I need to pack toys? Is there going to be room to flog people? Is there going to be room to hit people? What's the deal with all of it? Eventually, I just decided I'm overthinking it. I'm going to go. If it's too much, I'll leave. Or if it's conversely not enough, I can leave. I remember the night going over there was bitterly cold. I met up with my friend at his hotel. We walked over to where the party was happening. We go in and there's barely anyone there. The first thing we realize is that we've arrived too early. But there's music playing. We go downstairs and change into our outfits. 
He's a lot more daring than I am. He's got chaps, he's got his vest, he's he sort of has the whole deal. I change into my garbage man outfit and immediately feel like I'm sort of getting the eyeball from a number of different guys. In part because dressing like a garbage man at this thing is a little anti-authoritarian, perhaps. And that's part of my discomfort with organized leather. It takes a long time to meet the people who are involved in it, who are not just into it for a standard idea about authority. The thing that's powerful for me around kinky sex is the way that people make it a vehicle for their creativity. And not everybody does that. There are people who are involved in it as a way of reinforcing a kind of simplistic idea about who they are and about how the world works. And then there are people who are into it as a way of transforming the way that the world works. And those are the people that I gravitate towards and tend to feel are the most beautiful. First of all, I think I'm getting a certain number of people who are thinking like, okay, why is there a garbage man like wandering around in here? And then there's a certain number of them who have that slightly offended Leather Queen air. And the evening kind of goes on. And as the evening goes on, it gets more and more filled with people. I think one of the things that happens that I learned early on as someone who was looking for gay sex from an early age is that when you arrive in a location, you do reconnaissance. You check out the possibilities. You look where other people are going and you sort of circulate through the space. And so I start to do that. I'm not so interested in being out on the dance floor, although the dance floor is starting to fill up and it's starting to become this kind of mass of bodies. And for the most part, it's these very particular kind of buff shirtless guys who have been working a long time on their muscles. When I first moved back to New York, I had a job for a while at the Chelsea gym which was in many ways the epicenter of the Chelsea boy movement. And all around the time for the black party and for the white party later on in the year, we would have guys who would show up and just work out to make sure that they had their body in the right shape for the party. And I would be sitting at the desk, handing them their towels and eating Krispy Kremes in an effort to unsettle them. These are the guys who, having successfully worked out, are now out on the floor providing the show for themselves and for other people. The party itself has transformed the ballroom into a sort of elaborate jungle environment. There are areas that have tableaus with aerialists and different performers. There's a certain amount of kinky play, but it's almost entirely on the entertainment end. It's people in cages, suspended over the crowd, or it's people off in an area hitting each other or piercing each other as part of the entertainment for the evening. At one point, I have a flogger with me and I pull it out and my friend wants to be hit a little bit and I start to hit him and we realize really quickly it's completely impossible because by this point there's too many people walking around, you can't get a clear space. So the flogger kind of goes away and we continue to walk around and I start to meet friends and I start to meet people from other parts of 
my life, I start to meet somebody who works in an office adjacent to where I was working at the time. Somebody who I've always had sort of a conversational relationship with, and he is with his boyfriend, who I also know. We chit-chat a little bit and then break apart and start to circulate around because we're not really there to hang out with each other. We're there to do something else, and we don't even really know what that is yet. I go up to the balcony that overlooks the dance floor, and then there's a hallway that branches off of that. I walk down that hallway, and there's another hallway. That hallway is a little bit narrower and a little bit darker. And as I look down that hallway, I start to see guys are already beginning to kneel in front of other guys, or people are hanging out, propped against the wall, looking up and down the corridor. I think to myself, okay, this has potential. I head back out and I start to circulate around and boy, this point, it's 4 a.m. and more people have arrived. And it starts to get difficult to move down the halls. And I do sort of another circuit of the whole space. And I come back upstairs to the two hallways. And as I look down the narrow one, I realize that one of the light sconces has been knocked free of the wall and is hanging by its cord and the light is starting to flick on and off this sort of one dim bulb that's illuminating the hallway and at this point the hallway is pretty much full of guys i stand at the edge of it and decide to step inside and from the moment that i step inside there's men behind me and in front of me and there starts to be a current of all of us kind of moving, a current that moves us down to the end of the hall. And it's a big building, so that hall is about a block long. I get down all the way to the far end of it, and it's very dark. And by this point, people are openly groping each other, and I'm starting to feel hands on me. And yet, when you look, everyone's looking straight ahead. No one's looking each other in the eye. It's all about touching each other and moving on. I get down to the end of the hallway and my remaining bit of New York good sense starts to kick in and I realize that there's a good 300 to 400 men between me and the nearest safe exit. <laughs> and I get a little nervous at that and there's more men who are entering the hallway at every time and then I start to think like, okay, I probably need to get out of here and I start to move back towards the main door and at this point, the traffic is really grinding to a halt because men are getting more and more open in their fondling of each other and more men are dropping to their knees and so things are grinding to a halt men are pushing each other up against the walls and the only way that you can walk at this point is in a kind of shuffle the heat in the room is starting to become overpowering and i start to realize that there's a kind of rhythm going on to what everyone's doing that has no relationship to 
the music that's playing or to anything else. We're all in this sort of weird uh, zombie shuffle. It's like the flipping of a switch, and a part of me recognizes that zombie feeling and thinks, yeah, that's hot. And all of us are there, sort of moving together and moving against each other, and I feel a hand grabbing for my belt. I turn around and a hand slips my fly down and fishes my dick out and I feel someone's mouth on it. And I look down and it's the guy who worked in the office next door. Behind him is his boyfriend and his boyfriend has his hand on the back of his head pushing him onto me. And I lean across him and I put my hand on his head with his boyfriend's hand and I lean over and grab his boyfriend's head with my other hand and we start to kiss and around us we can start to feel this current moving men back and forth. It sort of goes on for what feels like hours until finally I've had more than I can take and I bend down and pull his boyfriend up and the three of us kiss in a circle and men continue to move around us. And one of the things that I realize is that this is the point of going to this party. That all of the times when I feel outside of these groups, outside of these authoritarian structures, outside of these organized communities, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that moment of absorption and connection and at the moment that I'm absorbed into that contact with other people, then I've found a kind of home, a kind of peace. It's the thing that Carnival is supposed to do. It's the thing that festivals are supposed to do. It's the thing that Mardi Gras is supposed to do. We put on a costume and we dress as the thing we desire. And then we get our desires met. It's the moment at which our public selves fall away.
That is all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.